Happy Friday. Welcome here to another edition of Husker Online Headlines. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel. Hope everyone survived this shortened holiday week. Uh, we've got another great episode of Husker Online Headlines uh, for, the, for you today, Sip, where we go over what we think are five notable headlines topics uh, that we want to hit on. And let's go right out of the gates. We brought in a big gun for headline number one, quarterback Daniel Kalen, Bellevue West, a member of the Elite 11 uh, 2024 Husker quarterback recruit for Matt Real, uh, Rule joining us here on Husker Online Headlines. Daniel, I know it's been a very, very busy summer for you. Um, it's got to feel good now to kind of be committed, have the Elite 11 behind you, and and start beginning to get ready for hopefully uh, a chance at a state championship for Bellevue West. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, when it, when it turned over from June to July, it really kind of officially put a lot of the recruiting stuff to bed, at least for now, and, um, you know, all gears are shifted towards, you know, my football team. And um, like you said, getting ready for um, hopefully having the most successful possible, um, you know, season that we came with my team. So that's kind of where everything, uh, all my focus is shifted right now. Your focus has shifted. I did want to ask you about June a little bit, particularly your, we always, you know, for a long time, Daniel, we've heard about peer recruiting and mm -hmm. particularly when a quarterback signs and how, how integral it is. Is that something that's just unspoken between you and the coaches, or do they or do they kind of verbalize to you? No, this is part of the job, Daniel. Um, we need your help. I mean, like some of it's verbalized, and I think um, you know I kind of take some initiative with that because I I, go, I would kind of ask them for names of guys, um, kind of every position that they were going after, um, and then vice versa. They would kind of give me some people to kind of hit up, but I think it. I think it kind of comes with the territory um, and it really probably varies from quarterback to quarterback, but I, I kind of tried to take some pride in it. Um, and, and I didn't think of it too much as recruiting, but more just kind of building relationships, relationships with those guys, yeah. um, especially the in-state guys like Carter Nelson's a guy I've already known for a little bit. Um, and when we went to college world series. Some people were kind of like uh, making it look like I was just trying to recruit him, but we've kind of been boys for a little bit now. And um, that was really more us going as friends. And obviously I was, trying to tell him to come to Nebraska at that time. But um, I think it's something that kind of just comes with it. Daniel, when you were committed to Missouri, um, you know, this new staff came in in Nebraska. I mean, what's jumped out about them? I mean, because you you got to study and learn a lot, a lot of different coaching staffs in the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. What did, what kind of jumped out about Matt Rule, Marcus Satterfield, and the new Nebraska staff that really, you know, led you to say, you know what, I'm going to switch this commitment and, and join these guys? Yeah, I think from the first time that I met them, um, you know, I think that was late December when they first kind of got there and had a like an in-state recruiting event. Um, I think it was just really apparent that you could see if they're really genuine people. Um, I think that's something that stands out, you know, right off the bat. Um, and then on top of that, I think uh, they're really competitive people as well. So I think those two things really mesh um, very well. Um, and then and then it's a staff that has experience, uh, especially Coach Rule and, and a lot of those guys that have been with him at at other programs that he's flipped. Um, so I just think all those things combined, you know, have just really kind of not only pushed me, but a lot of other recruits to, you know, kind of jump in on, on Nebraska. Daniel, we don't, you know, Marcus Satterfield, who's the offensive coordinator and will be your quarterback's coach. He's not really a self promoter. He doesn't talk mm -hmm. about himself much. He's, I mean, he's, he's a veteran coach and we don't even talk about him that much. What mm -hmm. is it about his style of coaching that you like about his approach? I mean, yeah, um, 
I just think he's like his demeanor is kind of laid back. Um, he's a really kind of funny dude. Um, but at the same time, like I said, he's really competitive. And um, as a coach, he has great knowledge of the game. Um, just when I've sat in on film with him or kind of talked football, um, you, it's apparent that he's been doing it for a while and um, has a system that works. You know, back at South Carolina last year, they had a lot of success. Um, so I just think overall, you know, just how competitive he is as a person and just his demeanor and how he goes about things. Um, I think that's what stands out about him. And uh, like I said, he's, he's a really has had success and I think he's going to do a lot of great things at Nebraska and I can't wait to play for him. Daniel, 23 recruits are in this class right now. I mean, when you start to look at what are the other priorities, I mean, what do you think are the other priorities that Nebraska kind of wants um, to finish out this class? Because it is a fairly full number right now as it is at 23. I mean, where, where do they have you zoning in and as the leader of this recruiting class? Yeah, I mean, um, like you said, we have a lot of a lot of great recruits right now. Um, I think where we're kind of, if you would say, full is more at the skill positions. We have a lot of DBs and receivers committed. Uh, you know, two tight ends and Ian Flynn, Carter Nelson. We just got Kawan Lacey, who's a running back. So um, the biggest focus right now, I think, is more in the lines. Um, you know, there's a few D linemen and O linemen. Um, you know, one of those being Grant Bricks, who a lot of you probably already know. Um, I think a big commitment the other day was Carlin Jones, who's a really good kid who I've been talking to for a while. Um, he's a D lineman, but I would say that's probably one of the bigger focuses is, um, you know, getting one of those last one or two O linemen committed, um, going after maybe a few more edge rushers or, or D tackles and stuff like that. But um, like I said, overall, we have a really good class built right now. And, um, you know, I think we're going to be able to do a lot of special things. Daniel, you sound like a coach. It's fairly impressive. Um, <laughs> but you're still a player. You still got a senior year. Last year, you put up big numbers, 3,186 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, only seven picks. Now, mm -hmm. five of those picks were in the first three games, and I've talked to Coach Huffman about this. He said he got into you a little bit. Um, what was going on those first three games? What changed? What, how, how did you – start to limit your interceptions and if i remember correctly i'm not trying to call you i think it was the first four games um okay. i think it was out because i think it was after a week because i think it started in week five where i had the run where i was kind of like um you know kind of done throwing picks but yeah coach huffman um uh got on me pretty good after some of those games and and it wasn't necessarily that i was playing bad uh -huh. but it was just some of those kind of lapses and kind of just lapses or miss miscues on certain plays that really just didn't need to happen almost like really just losing focus on some plays so i just think um you know he really got on me and really challenged me uh not only in the games but to, but to start in practice of just being smart um you know making sure I'm, I'm making the correct reads um not only quick reads but making correct reads and i think um after he got on me um it kind of just helped you know burn a little more fire under me and kind of motivate me to be smarter where i'm putting the ball um and i think it really obviously showed uh towards the end of the year um i think i went on like a four or five game streak with no interceptions to the very last game um but but yeah I, I think that definitely helped for sure huffman knows how to you know push the right buttons for sure daniel i'm looking at your schedule that you guys play and it's incredible <clears throat> how tough it is at the beginning you open mm -hmm. with creighton prep then you have omaha north burke then you have west side and carney i mean theater theoretically you're playing like four of the top eight teams mm -hmm. right out of the gun I mean, how much are we? I mean, how much are you guys expecting just to have a target on your team, knowing that you have three Husker players and you, you, everyone's going to want to take a shot at you guys? And in, in that first five weeks of the season, you see some of the best teams right away. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously where, where hype comes from. I think we'll have a lot of hype um, as far as, like you said, having the three, not only just commits, but, you know, skill players that will be touching the ball, you know, constantly during the game. So I think that'll give us more hype. Um, but yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta want to play in the big games for sure. Um, you know, prep will be a great game to start the year. Uh, Omaha North returning a lot of people. I think they only really lose uh, Tayshawn Porter um, and I'm sure a few other people, but they'll have a lot, they'll have a really strong D line. Um, that'll be a really good game. Then Burke. And then we all know what, what the West side game means. Um, you know, not, a, they have just as much, you know, talent as far as power five talent on, on their side as well. So that, that's going to be a really fun game, super highly competitive. Um, you know, Carney's a team that, uh, you know, we dropped a game last year too, that we definitely want to, you know, make sure we, uh, I guess get, get our revenge in a way, but you get, like I said, you got to love those big games and we're really excited with the schedule that we have for sure. How much comfort does it give you throwing, knowing you're, you have Dave on hall and Isaiah McMorris, other receivers, but those guys are, those guys have Nebraska scholarship. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. commitments. It, I guess what I wanted to ask you is this for people that haven't seen them play, what differentiates the two? If you were to describe them. Um, what I really like uh, about having both of those guys is that they, they truly are different types of players. Um, you know, they obviously both play wide receiver, but Davon is more of a, um, you know, straight line speed, big physical receiver, strong hands. Um, and then on the other side, Isaiah, um, a little bit undersized compared to, at least compared to Davon, um, mm -hmm. but more of an open field player, runs really good routes, uh, you know, shifty side to side movements. So, um, it kind of just gives our offense, you know, really every aspect um, of the passing game that we want. Um, and what differentiates them from, you know, other players, I just think overall, I think they both have really good speed. You know, they're track guys, both running 10 fives, maybe 10 sixes for sure. Um, so, I mean, they just have they just have that type of speed and explosiveness. And then at the same time, they're, you know, not small. And, uh, you know, they're big, strong, physical and. Um, and then the last part I think is just their competitiveness. You know, when they see a guy lined up across from them, uh, you know, they want to beat that dude and they want to, you know, you know, play to the best of their abilities, you know, every single game. So I think that's kind of what separates them. Daniel, as we wrap it up here, um, are, are, are all three, how many of the three of you guys will enroll early at Nebraska between the three Bellevue West guys? I know for sure me and Devon will, um, and I'm pretty sure Isaiah won't. I think he had the option to maybe if he did a few more classes, but I think he wants to stay and play basketball and run track one more time, I think. so. Yeah, Isaiah's uh, got a chance at four rings in basketball. which Yeah, and that's what he was talking about. I think he was saying no one's ever done it. Which Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think Lincoln Northeast. I don't know if they won four in a row, but um, to, to be on four Class A, because he was at Miller North for two and possibly mm -hmm. LB West. Yep. Um, so I'm sure he wants to get that basketball ring. Yeah, and I think that's a big reason why um, he, he kind of chose to stay as well. But, yeah. Well, Daniel, we appreciate Man, you. Man, Daniel, thanks. Uh, taking some time, and and uh, hopefully you can enjoy your summer a little bit here before you guys start practice. Yep, for sure. I appreciate you guys. All right. All Have right. a good one, Daniel. Thanks yep. again. To you guys too. 2024 quarterback recruit Daniel Kalen simple for joining us on Husker oh. online headlines. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us.
I mean, he's like a coach when you talk to that kid, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I was. He's very mature. He he just ripped through those needs on the on the on the current. Class. And he corrected you. You got to like that. Yeah, he did. He called he called me out. He said, "I don't mean to call you out." Good job, Jordine. <laughs> I got that straight from Huffman. Straight from Huffman. Hey, the air raid. At least my buddy Matt called you. You backed up your air raid claim. Yeah, yeah. He's an air raid guy. It's an air raid offense. I mean, that's what they run. But, but anyway, yeah, I, Daniel, obviously, okay. I mean, the thing that's really impressive to me is how he's is how how he's handled his recruiting elements. Obviously, gone pretty well. I mean, I'm not saying that he deserves credit for Davon Hall, Isaiah McMorris, Carter Nelson, you know, Jacory Barney, everybody. But, but, you know, I mean, his input helps, right? He's given them a lead salesman. Yeah. You look at you. You need. The coaches are one thing, right? But you need peers. kids to peers, kids to talk to kids. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard for an, a grown man, like in my shoes, to like really truly relate, right? At all levels, you need somebody that that is their same age, like yeah. that, that can get them. And he, you, I mean, you can. I mean, one of the benefits of having Daniel on this this podcast is for people to see what he's like, and you can tell. I mean, you can see why he'd be be good at peer recruiting. I mean, he's very communic communicates very well. I mean, for, that's first of all, he's very relatable, and you know he's good. He's a good player. Those kids know it. Those receivers, Carter Nelson, talk about that, Sean, with us. He said, "Yeah, I may." Carter Nelson said, "I may not have the, the speed of a receiver right now, but if they want to play me at receiver." Daniel Kalen can put the ball where it needs to be when I'm matched up against a six foot, 195 pound corner, six five, 220 pound Carter Nelson. The quarterback has to put it in the right spot. He's he's confident that Daniel Kalen can do that. So, you, you know Mario Verduzco. Remember Mario? Oh yeah. What do you always say? Leadership is performance. Performance is leadership. Daniel could have great communication skills and be very relatable to the players, but if he doesn't deliver on the field, not a leader, he, he, but he delivers, put up those numbers at Bellevue West goes to, to the, to the um, elite 11 and wins the accuracy competition that get that gets people's attention. Yeah. That accuracy competition. I mean, that, that should get your attention because it's not always about having the strongest arm. No Peyton Manning didn't have the strongest arm. Absolutely. I mean, it, he played in the NFL at the end of his career. With not near the ducks, Sean. He was throwing ducks, and that's what but, he was doing. But he still got it out. Yeah, he got it out, and he got the ball to people. But you're right. Now Daniel does have a pretty strong arm. I mean, he can make all, Sean. He can make all the throws, Sean. He can make them all. Locally, a lot of people will compare like the careers now of Zane Flores mm -hmm. and Daniel Kalen. I mean, two mm -hmm. great Power Five quarterbacks. Yeah, they will. One's going to Oki State. One's going to Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Um, and that will be interesting because I think a year ago at this time you would oh. Zane Flores, but now Daniel Kalen, in terms of the Elite 11, he made the Elite 11. Uh, Zane Flores made the finals, but didn't make the final 11. Um, it'll be really fascinating to kind of compare. And Zane Flores has that state title, a runner up finish. Yeah. Um, Daniel Kalen, you know, in this great Bellevue West team, I mean, there's a lot of pressure to, to deliver this championship game that we all want to see now. There's some pressure West on side it. versus Bellevue West, depending on how the brackets draw. But mm -hmm. I think everybody wants to see that game on NET. Or, there's some pressure on him. The other thing about him is, I mean, you put him on camera, his willingness to do these interviews, he's willing. He doesn't turn them down. 
we've we've done interviews with him. Now I'm not saying he does every single one that's asked of him, but there's a willingness he has because he feels Sean, he feels a responsibility. I mean, he's now he's in a pretty exalted position. You know, he's headed to the big school and you've covered this program for a long time and you know a lot is asked of quarterbacks here. I mean, it was incredible to me. I always remember Eric Crouch, how patient he was during when when he won the Heisman. Like it was, Sean, do you know how many interviews he was doing? It was incredible. I mean, I probably did 25 with him myself. It was ridiculous. I always would apologize to him. Eric, I'm sorry. We got to do it. We got, I got to ask you. Think how much NIL he could have made that year. Oh, God. Like just. Oh God! Yeah. Locally, oh he could, yeah, broke the bank. I mean, it, it, he would have made a million plus bucks. Yeah, he would have easily, easily. Uh, just the demand that he had—he mm-hmm. <laughs> got slapped on the wrist for eating a free ham sandwich yeah, or something. So, Remember yeah, that? Early, yeah, early did it. Yeah, so yeah, but Daniel's willingness to do, like, just to come on with us and then handle himself that well—that's all part of it, Sean. He's a pro. Yeah, he's a, yeah. Well, and, <laughs> he's a pro, and he wanted to be a Husker. He did. You can't underestimate, like, yeah. the want to. Oh, 100, Sean. 100. Ding! <laughs> Got right. one. That's right, though. That, that hundo. I mean, he, since junior high, he wanted to be a Husker. That, you know, well, that is big. That is big. Not because, you know, it's just not that way for everybody. And he's, he's walking into a great position. You, you think about where the quarterback room is. Mm-hmm. Jeff Sims may or may not be back in 2024. Mm-hmm. Depends on how it goes yeah. for him this year. Yeah. Chubba Purdy, Heinrich Harbor. I mean, it's a, it's a favorable situation. Pretty favorable, isn't it? Because they didn't take a quarterback mm-hmm. in the 2023 class for high school. Right. And their 2022 quarterback, Richard Torres, transferred. Yeah. It's about as good as he could expect at a place like Nebraska. And that's, you know, maybe that's part of the reason he, he did it. But that it is a good situation. Now, it can change fast. Portal can change things fast, right? Um, bring in a high-caliber recruit next year. I mean, it, that position, as we know, changes. R- r- hey, Sean, it changes really quickly nowadays with the portal. Anyway. All right, let's move interview on. Headline number three. Yeah. The state of Nebraska oh, yeah. SIP is on just – as you would say, they're on a heater of producing tight ends. They've produced 17 power five tight ends, power five, not division one, power five tight ends from the classes of 2016 to 2024. This last week, Carter Nelson commits to Nebraska. Tanner Hollinger from cross County committed to Illinois. There are now four power five tight ends in the state of Nebraska. In comparison, the States of California and Florida, have four each. Yeah. So Nebraska has as many power five tight ends as California and Florida. Texas has five. And one of them's Ian Flint. And one, one of them's committed to Nebraska. Ian Flint, right? Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's an incredible recruiting stat of just the type of good talent the state's like, it's the, the best overall consistent recruit the state has produced. Yeah. It's hard to explain why it's the case. Um, I mean, Kudos to Illinois, I guess, for coming in and getting Tanner Hollinger. Hollinger. And and then they got Caleb Pifram. And, you know, Illinois has not had a letter winner from the state of Nebraska since 1917. That that was Leo Klein, as you wrote in your column. Leo Klein. Played before Red Grange did. Yeah, I remember those guys. I was around. You did cover Red Grange. (laughs) 
I, was gonna, I just wanted to say that before you did. Um, no, no, I wasn't around in 1917. <laughs> I got a poster of Red Grange in my basement. Do you? Autograph or Nebraska Autograph. was the only team that held him without a touchdown. That's right. They lost, but they held him without a touchdown. That poster might be worth money. Tanner Hollinger, they come in and get him. Illinois comes in and get it, comes in and gets him. It wasn't like he had power a lot. Well, I don't think he had other power five offers. Air Force offered. They were him. the only one. Army. Um, Northern Illinois was a player of him. Ball State. Brown. Um, so yeah, I mean that's I I mean, I don't know. Is Illinois gonna keep coming in here trying to get guys? I just think it's it just worked. I mean, Nebraska filled up on the O line and they they're full of tight end. So yeah. you know, both these guys, I think Nebraska could have gotten both if they had spots. Um, but you know, get, I, I look at Hollinger, he's a safe pickup for Illinois. You know, he's the son of a superintendent, okay, focused kid. Okay, you know, six five two. Yeah, has a great frame. Six five two thirty two eight man tight ends in the state of Nebraska going power five. How about that? Yeah, and you liken this tight end run in Nebraska to what happened with Omaha Central um, at running back. Yeah, from nineteen sixty seven to two thousand two, Central had nine running backs signed with Nebraska. Nineteen sixty seven to two thousand two. Okay. Ordunia would have been the first one. Okay, Joe Orduna. Um, sure, Otuna. There you go. From 86 to 97. This is an incredible stat. From 1986 to 1997, all but one year, one of Nebraska's main running backs was a central high running back. 94 was the one year that there wasn't an eagle. It was the in-between year of Amon Green and Calvin, Calvin Jones, Jones, kind of right around that period. So. so they had Keith Jones at that in that period, Leotis Flowers, Calvin Jones, and Amon Green. 11,000-plus yards, 132 touchdowns. I remember those guys well. I was in school with Keith Jones. I mean, me, me and Keith Jones were in school, and I, I interviewed him a few times at his house with his brother. He had a big brother that was a lineman. Um, you know who the last central running back was? The, no. David Horn. David Horn was, I mean, highly, highly recruited. recruited. Yeah, highly recruited. He had a big night at A&M. I remember that. Remember that A and M? Yeah, and he, he kind of fell victim to the coaching change. I mean, yeah. they switched. The coaching change from? Solich to Callahan. Yeah. I mean, in 02, he was destined to be a star. 03, you know, Corey Ross came on in 03. Yeah, he did. Ross started his career slow and then came on. And then took surpassed Josh Davis in 03. Yeah. Uh won them yeah, the out. Porkchop got pretty good. Yeah. Then in 04, Porkchop was their best player. Yeah. And then David Horn finished out in Northern yeah, Iowa. Right. But yeah, that was that run of central high running back. I mean, it was it was a point where you would just go to central to get a running back. There were three Big Eight schools at one time that had Central High running backs starting for them. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It really got good with Calvin Jones and Amon Green. Let's face it. I mean, Calvin Calvin Jones was, I mean, he was better than I th I'd say Calvin was better than Keith or Leotis, but then Amon Green came and was better than all of them. I mean, Amon Green just set the world on fire. He's a specimen. Yeah, he was about a big time. You know, he had big time speed. He had breakaway speed. Now those guys, Keith Jones definitely had breakaway speed. He, I mean, he was a sprinter. Leotis was a little stockier, not as not not like a speed demon. Calvin Jones was a speed demon, but he didn't have a mon's power. Well, then you had other running backs from Omaha, though, like Clint Childs and Damon Benning. Oh yeah, they had I a mean, great run in Omaha. It I was. Mean, and it was all OPS guys. Yeah, OPS guys, and they were those guys were good. I mean, well, and Stevie Hicks was at Creighton Prep, went Hicks to Iowa State. Yeah, R.I.P. By the way, 
Um, but Hick, yeah, Hicks was a big, tough, physical runner. Like 30 carries a game. I, I remember covering his games in high school. It was great because literally he'd get like 40 carries a yeah, game. Yeah, the clock would run. And you just – it was game the easiest, would get over, right? keep, I'd had to keep stats for yeah. whoever I was working for. And you for. could even beat the deadline when, when Hicks <laughs> yeah, was running, right? The game would be over with by 845. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I, those are good memories, Sean. Yeah, lots of good running backs in that era, but this tight end run we're on. Man. Um, real quick on the on the numbers. So there's actually been 25 total Division One FBS, FCS tight ends. Since? 16 to 24. Jeez. So the, the, in 2016, that would have been like Noah Fant and Bubak okay. and that group of guys. Okay. Man, not going back that far, really. 25. 25 tight well, how ends. How do you explain it? Vince Merrill, you know, former tight ends assistant coach here for Bo Pelini, and he's at Kentucky now. And he, he just said, I don't know what it is, Sean, because he, he's a former NFL thing. He goes, this, this area just puts out tight ends. And I don't, yeah, I don't know what that is. And I should have asked, I shouldn't have asked you. It's an unfair question. Who, how, who knows what it is? Well, it's like you go to Florida, they put out DBs and receivers. You go to Wisconsin, that part of the country, there's a lot of linemen out there. Mm -hmm. So for this year, Carter Nelson, Ingerson, four power fives, Carter Nelson, Ingerson. Um, Hollinger, Hollinger and Nelson, and, and then Joe, and then Joe Stein is going to Northern Illinois. Okay, Michael Burt, we we left and Michael Burt going to Iowa. Right. So yeah, there's five total. Joe Stein is the fifty one kid. He's going Northern Illinois, and that should not be poo pooed either. I mean, that's another Division one tight end son. Um, his, his father is uh, the head coach of Grand Island Northwest. All right, let's go on. Sip. I'm not poo pooing it, Sean. Headline number four. <laughs> We're watching that Pac-12 situation. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. It kind of reminds you, remember during COVID, everyone's like, wait two weeks, wait two weeks. I mean, that feels like with this Pac-12 situation. Well, the situation being the media rights deal. We're waiting right. on um, what this media rights deal will look like. Um, they continually kick the can down the road as far as when this is going to be released. Um, a year ago at this time, we were led to believe it was going to be announced soon. And here we are a year later. Um, it got so far down the road that San Diego State, would um, announce they were leaving the Mountain West. Well, now they don't know for sure. Well, here's what happened, Sean. The Pac-12 says that the letter announced the San Diego State sent a letter to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 says announced that they were leaving. San Diego San Diego State says no, no, no. We didn't announce that we were leaving. It, we announced that we're we're looking into it. That we're those are our intentions, but we haven't made a final decision. You'd have to read the letter to understand it. Anyway, no, the Pac-12 media rights deal is not done. But, Sean, it has doesn't it have to be done by July 21, which is Pac-12 media days? Like, does anybody expect the deal without USC and UCLA to look good? I sure as hell don't. I mean, like, what, what – I mean – what TV networks is like, oh, you just lost your two biggest brands. Right. You've got Deion Sanders, and we'll see what that brings. Well, Colorado looks like they're heading to the Big 12. Right. So, okay, so now it brings up this conversation, which I, it's unappealing to me for the Pac-12 to break up. I know what you're going to say. No, Sip, the Big 10 needs to get Oregon and Washington. I'm rooting for the Pac-12 to stay together. I don't, I don't want the West Coast just to be lopped off, like, and that's what it'd feel like. But they don't know West Coast football. I mean, look at Sean, look at the Pac 12 this year. It's good. They have the top three quarterback situations in the country, not in the Pac. I mean, I'm not talking about Pac 12, 
you talk about USC with Caleb Williams, Washington with Michael Penix, Oregon with Bo Nix. It doesn't get any better. The, the, those are the top three What's funny situations. is two of them are transfers. Yeah. Are all of them are transfers? All of them are transfers. All three of them are transfers. Oklahoma, Indiana, and um, Bo Nix came Auburn. from Auburn. Yeah. So they are, that is a loaded conference. And I didn't even talk about Cam Rising at Utah. I mean, he's won, Sean, he's won two Pac 12 titles. Those, these, this is a strong league right now. It comes it, down to eyeballs and fan bases. I know. It's not about football on the field, unfortunately. Not right now. It's not. Those teams are good. And that's where the Big Ten and the SEC, they, they have eyeballs. They have alumni bases. They have fan bases. It's amazing to me, the Pac-12, there are only 12 Power 5 teams in the Mountain and the Pacific time zone, 12. You go to the Central and the East, Yeah. there's over 50. Yeah. I mean, it's just – and they can't – that half of the country, like the fans just don't engage in it. At some places they do. At Oregon, you've been to Oregon. They engage, right? You're Oregon there. and Washington. Washington. That's engages. why. That's why they make sense. But I, yeah, I don't think the Big Ten wants to be known as the person that takes out the Pac-12. Right. So they might not have to because they kind of did though, right? By taking USC and UCLA. Yeah. I mean, already. yeah, they went in and took the two biggest treasure pieces out of there. Right. So I am not. I mean, just as a college football fan, Sean. I'm not comfortable with the Pac-12 folding up. I'm just not. I don't think it. I'll think for the in the big picture, it's a great thing. Again, now there's going to be a lot of people on our channel here saying, "Simple, just pipe down." The Big Ten needs Oregon and Washington. Yeah, I guess for the Big Ten's sake, they do. For the sake of the sport, the you know the greater good. I, I hope it stays together. I mean it. It's it's war though right now. You've got SEC Absolutely. versus Big Ten, yeah. and you're trying to build allies to your your country. <laughs> yes, you are. And Washington and Oregon would make sense. Portland and Seattle are two pretty big outposts to add to your country. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's your that's what's going on. And mm -hmm. then everyone's looking at the ACC: Florida State, Miami, North Miami. Carolina, Virginia. That's a whole nother Clemson. Yeah, I don't. You know, know Notre Dame. Yeah. those teams will the big 10 be able to get some of those teams and will they have packed i mean that that's i don't know i mean i don't know if it's going to come to that the thing is though like the bowl tie-ins like for so long like oh you don't want to destroy the rose bowl the, the rose bowl's done as we know it because it's now a part of the playoff yeah um it is now a part of the semi-final quarterfinal rotation yeah so you can't really say the rose bowl because that has already been destroyed. It's now a part of the playoff structure. Destroyed. Well, destroyed as a locked-in game versus the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, as, yeah, as far as invoking those other names, Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, et cetera, I don't even want to go that far. I hope it doesn't come to that. Because then we're blowing up. We're just blowing up college football as we know it. I don't, I don't like to go that It's far. the NFL at that point. Yeah. I mean, you have an AFC and an NFC essentially, and it's the Big Ten and the Pac-12 or Big Ten and the SEC. This is where the conversation, I think, gets uncomfortable for for people that grew used to college football being a certain way. That's me. I was, you know, putting this book together right now, and I was going back the final year of the Big Eight, the final year, final year, which was 1995. Okay, Nebraska was number. Right. There was three top ten teams from the Big Eight. Or, or, so I'm sorry, four, four. Was Kansas up there? So K-State, Kansas, Colorado, Nebraska. Yeah. Four of the eight teams in the final year of Big Eight were in the top ten. Was that when Reesing was at Kansas? 
Was Reesing there? Todd Reesing. 95? Oh, was that before? Reesing was there in 07. Oh, was he there? Yeah. So who was there in 95? Who was it? Well, that was, that was like one of the years Terry Allen had him going for. Okay. And Terry they Allen. got smoked by Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. I was a kid in the stands and you got paid to cover that game. Yeah. Well, it all runs together in my head. <laughs> Yeah. Re- Reesing. Todd Reesing. Todd Reesing was like 07. Who is a, a, a little running back that you know at Kansas? You know Jake Sharp. Yeah, Jake yeah, Sharp. Yeah, he was on that team. Yeah, you know that guy. Down in Salina. They're yeah. Husker fans too. But yeah. um, you think about the final, I mean, just how much the landscape has changed. I mean, look yeah. at the final 11 years of the Big Eight. They won four national titles. Wow. Colorado won one in 90. Nebraska yeah. 94, 95. Oklahoma won one, I believe, in 80. 86 Sean better times yeah four better times I mean think about that an 18 conference from this region won four of the 11 national titles better times better times in college football. but the money and the it's changed the whole game as we know it like it or not and you got to change with it you can't I know I'm changing Sean don't worry you can't worry about the Pac-12 no I (laughs) okay all right all right let's go on final headline um it's kind of list season ranking season yeah, yeah and there's a lot of these lists that have matt rule ranked really favorably on you know big rank the big 10 coaches and <laughs> it, it it's a hard thing to do for nebraska because you know you got to look at where the program's been but obviously the rule he's not been a part of that but you can look at where rule's been before mm-hmm. and what he did at baylor mm-hmm. what he did at temple a lot of people in the media have a lot of respect for that Absolutely. Now, back to your the original part of this discussion, it is list season, and I love them. I, I happen to love these. It writes you about four columns a summer. <laughs> well, I just love them. I mean, it's – okay, so CBS Sports put together the Big Ten coaches ranking list, and Rule came up number seven, which I, which I see as a sign of respect for Matt um, because he's ranked, because of who he's ranked ahead of, namely Kirk Ferentz. Somehow they ranked him ahead of Ferentz, which I don't necessarily agree with. But it is definitely a show of respect. Um, the top seven, we can get into it after after we talk about Matt Rule. Harbaugh's number one, of course. Ryan Day, two. Fickle, three. James Franklin, four. Brett Bielema, five. Uh, P.J. Fleck, six. And then Rule, seven. Ference, eight. And I'll just give you nine and ten. Fitzgerald, nine. And Tucker, ten. But Rule, I think, I think he fits pretty well there. I could jumble up that six, seven, and eight. I might put, I might put Ference at six and Fleck at eight. So Ference rule, Ference rule Fleck. But whatever. I mean, it's it's still pretty. It's show. It's a show of respect for Matt Rule. I I kind of commend CBS Sports. I think it's Tom Fornelli who does this for not putting an emphasis on what happened at Carolina. At Carolina, obviously, rule failed, but I but I think he he has a great. You've heard him talk about it, Sean. He has a great attitude about it. He learned from it. I think it fuels him. I think it's. I, I mean, I think it's. I think Nebraska's getting him at a good time. You could say, no, no, they're not getting a good time. He got fired. No, I think that's it's a, a good different time. game. Way different. Way different. I mean, you you can't talk to players and the pros like you can in college. I mean, in college, you're a mentor. Uh, you know, a leader of men trying to develop young men to mm-hmm. adults. We're in the pros; they're adults. It's a job. Yeah, and he didn't. Yeah, he, he couldn't control his quarterback there. They were there. They didn't have a good quarterback situation in Carolina. 
So what this does, this sort of ranking is emphasizes what he did at Temple and Baylor, which was build, walk into bad situations and build them into very good situations. And uh, Sean, one, I think a great measure of any coach is you look at coaches who can make a lot out of not much like Harbaugh Harbaugh did at Stanford, Jim Harbaugh, like Harbaugh did at San Diego. Now, really, Harbaugh did at Michigan because they weren't much when Brady Brady Hoke didn't leave him much, right? Um, oh, there were a lot of draft picks on those early. Was there? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, but anyway, that's the, like, you know, you hear the quote about Ryan Day born on third base, kind of was. You know, I, I look more at a guy like Fickle who took Cincinnati and made it a power, the only group of five team to ever make it to the college football playoff. I like, I prefer those guys that can show – They've done they've done a lot with not much. What's interesting? Rules about, done that. So you, I found this part interesting of the Big Ten coaches. Who's won the most Big Ten titles right now? Of the Big Ten coaches right now today, I don't know. Brett Bielema. He's got oh, three. God, that's right. He has so three. there was a, a tweet made like, who's going to get um, the third Big Ten title or the Big Ten title this year? James Franklin's got one. Or Urban Meyer's got two. Jim Harbaugh's got two. Ryan Day's got two. And uh, Bielema retweeted it and quote tweeted. It. You're forgetting about the guy that's got three. Did he, did he really <laughs> yeah, he quote tweeted it? Did he really troll yeah. them? That um took them to three Rose Bowls. Yeah, I mean he won three Big Ten titles, and you know one of them was over. In, that was the year Nebraska should have won. They were eight and six team that won the Big Ten that year. Wisconsin eight and six because they got in on a technicality because Penn State and Ohio State were ineligible to play. Okay. For well, still counts. Still counts. They got to go to the Rose Bowl. So Bielema goes eight and five last year. Five and four, five and four in the Big Ten almost beats Michigan. So he he's he's at, he. I think he's where he belongs at number five. Yeah, no, he's he's a proven coach, and um, I I think the schedule for Nebraska. This the, I hate to say it again, but this opening game against Minnesota will define the season if they could oh, somehow. Stop. I will not say no, that. but if they could somehow knock off Minnesota to start the year, which is doable. All of a sudden, this this season can catch fire right away. Right, and all you got to do now. When I push back, I, I just, I just, it, it drives me crazy when I hear sports writers say a game one will define the season. It did last year. It did it the year did before against Illinois, and, and it, it did yeah, against it Northwestern. Did. Yeah, it did. I, largely, lar largely defined it. You're I mean, right for sure. That Illinois game in 2021 was. Can Nebraska though just get back to getting to play like Northern Illinois to start a season? It'd be nice just to kind of get your sea, get your sea legs. Now some coaches will say they like well they played a one and eleven team last year. I, like Sean Northwestern. I talked to one coach on staff the other day and he's like, we love it. He goes, we we I think it keeps you focused. Mm -hmm. It makes camp that much more focused and intense when you know you're going up to Minneapolis on the road playing. A team that's picked to beat you right yeah. away. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for that sentiment. I but there's a lot to be said with what you say too. Like you could sell to your kids, like if you were playing Bethune Cookman. <laughs> no, that's too you're going too low. Too low. Uh, let's go bowling green. You could say, look, guys, we have a lot to prove. And bowling green's gonna come in here and, and try to try to knock us off right away. And so we have a, you could sell that we have a lot to prove. I mean, again, they played Northwestern yes last year. Sean, they weren't very good. Northwestern lost to Illinois State. Yeah, they were one in eleven. Nebraska looked good 11. that day. They looked good that day, though. <laughs> With that quarterback for Northwestern, like we wrote, like, like 
Fitzgerald does it again. Right. He's got another rabbit out of his hat with this group. Yeah, and I was writing about their running backs <laughs> like they're both going to the NFL. I thought it was like – I was like, Sean, those running backs are good, man. They're tough running backs. They're in you they thought were, it was uh, Mike Rogier and uh, <laughs> what's Brian Piccolo. <laughs> One in 11. They got pound. I mean, God. It was amazing. It was That's amazing. I mean – the thing that kills me about that Northwestern game, if they win that game, mm-hmm. I think we're going back there. Like, I think it's like set up already. <laughs> That's a, maybe. Like John Anthony and Brendan Meehan, the directors of the game, they, when they saw the number of Nebraska fans that went coming off of COVID and whatnot, and this, they were like, man, we, we want to get Nebraska already like lined up again. Like, I want to, before I go too far with that, I'd want to get Trev Albert's thoughts on that because Bill Moose was all about it. I don't, I don't know if Trev was all about. He might be. It might be rules call too. Rule. I, I wonder what Matt would say about it. Now, I'm with you. There's a lot of people that would say, "Yeah, do it." That was a great experience. Tell. I mean, we had a great experience. It was fun covering it. It was. The I loss was terrible. The loss was horrifying, but it was a fun experience generally. The team that I would, you know, that would make sense to play is Rutgers because, yeah, uh, New York to. Um, first of all, they they would probably give up a home game. Uh, but New York to Ireland is only a four-hour flight. Is that right? That's yeah. only four hours? That direction. You, it's a couple more hours coming home because of the, the jet stream. But, yeah, New York to Rutgers is – or New York to Ireland's four hours-ish. Yeah. Because from trip. Chicago, it was only six. It was a fascinating trip. It was. I'd do it again. Oh, I would, I would, I would love to do it again. Yeah. Seeing you jog down that street. Like, there's Steve Sipple on his run. <laughs> Right, yeah, right by that river, which I don't remember the name of it. You should, but you don't probably. It was a more of a canal. It was like, kind of, yeah, it was kind of a canal. It was a kind of a canal, yeah. but all right. Well, I'm off to. Uh, we're going to Atkinson this weekend. It's got, oh, you got, got the, the family, the big reunion. Holt County reunion. That's this weekend, and it, we're going to stop in Norfolk. I think I'm, that's our plan for an early dinner on the yeah. way into Atkinson. So if you see me in Norfolk. Say hello on that, on that beautiful main street. We are. I think we're going to stop on the main drag. And I mean, Norfolk, what a what a, I mean, shout out to Norfolk. That's like, I'm not joking around here. That's a beautiful main street. I mean, I'm from Columbus. I, I, I'm from Columbus. Norfolk is a huge rival, Sean, but they're, they got us on the main street. Oh, they got, I mean, Mike Flood and the leaders of that community got that thing going down. When you go in, I was like, whoa. I know. It's all with the ladies' dress shops, though. There's a bunch of dress <laughs> I keep my wife off of Main Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. It's also the last Starbucks. Once you get out, we're going to stop. I I know we're going to have to stop at the Starbucks on the way out of there because my wife will want one of those. Because once we go wet, there's none of that after that. Yeah, tell her you'll get her Starbucks, not a dress, because you'll drop $200. (laughs) You'll have four dresses going out pretty quick. All right. Well, Sip, have a good weekend. Yeah, God bless you for saying that. And uh, make sure you like and follow and subscribe to us on the Husker Online YouTube channel. You can also catch the show on our podcast channel. Just anywhere you get podcasts, you'll find the show. Uh, Just simply type in Husker Online. Check us out online at huskeronline.com. Sip has a great column coming on Sunday. Signing off here for Husker Online Headlines, Sean Callahan.